Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. Today is Friday, June 22nd. This is episode number 782. I can't even believe it. I'm very excited today to introduce you to a new guest to the show. Dr. Duke Pesta is on the show with me today, and we're going to be tearing it up, talking about the culture and education. You guys are not going to want to miss it. We've got a jam-packed hour for you. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in today. Lots of stuff coming up on my calendar. I will be speaking for the Slavic Action Summit in Vancouver, Washington on July the 2nd. Doors for that event open at 6 p.m. My husband and I have been involved for quite some time with the Slavic community and are very excited to see so many of them getting educated about what's happening politically and culturally. And uh, we are going to be encouraging you to just get off the bench and get onto the battlefield. So come on out for a great event on July 2nd in Vancouver, Washington at Slavic Christian Church. That information will be in the show notes today. I will be speaking for AFI, the um, the Arizona Homeschool Conference, and also for the California Homeschool Conference in Pasadena coming up in the middle of July and also linking back to those in the show notes today. So if you've got any questions about those, uh, head on over to the show notes and uh, all that information will be there, including links for registration. All right, today's verse from Mom Strong International is found in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We've been talking about what it means to speak the way that God would want us to speak boldly and with love uh, over at uh, MomStrong International all month. And we're getting ready to start a new one, gearing up for a brand new study. So if you're not joining us for the scripture writing challenge and digging into those Bible studies with us, you can still get into it. It's not too late. In fact, this is a great time to get started. Head on over to MomStrongInternational.com. Com. All right, without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce my guest today. I'm thrilled to have him on the show because I'm a huge fan of Dr. Duke Pesta. I watch his videos. I share them a lot over at The Busy Mom on Facebook. I know many of you have been introduced to him. Uh, from those videos. Dr. Duke, in case you're not familiar with him, he is the director of Freedom Project Academy and host of the Dr. Duke Show podcast with a tenured professor of English at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. The Dr. Duke Show covers the crazy stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses across the world. New episodes are released every Thursday evening, and you guys can subscribe to his show, uh, the audio podcast, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Uh, Google Play and every other podcast platform, just like you do with the Heidi St. John Show. So uh, I'm very encouraged and excited to welcome Dr. Duke to the show. Welcome. 
Hey, Heidi, thanks for having me. You are very welcome. Thank you for being here. You have become quite a voice for culture, very boldly speaking out about especially what's happening in our school systems today. And I've been talking about this at the podcast for several years as well. And uh, I'm very excited today to kind of get your um, expertise, really, and let my listeners hear your voice about what's happening in the public schools. And I kind of, that's where I'd like to start uh, talking with you today because I know this is a passion for you and you do a ton of work with uh, the culture, trying to educate people. What's the biggest thing? I mean, we're, we got a lot of directions to take this today, but what's the very, the biggest thing you see coming at parents right now in the culture? Well, I think from an educational standpoint, it is, uh, and this is something that bleeds over into Hollywood, it bleeds over into media. It bleeds over into corporate life is the social justice revolution that has transformed American education over the last 20 years or so. Uh, the primary focus of our kids' public schools has been less and less about academic achievement, excellence, individual growth, and much more about collectivism, social justice, and progressive politics. So much so that this has now bled off of the college campuses, off, bled out of the public school system into Hollywood. We see the corporations now, you can't turn on the TV without seeing a, a, a TV commercial or an ad from some major company that is not pushing a really progressive agenda. You have transgenderism being represented in these TV ads, mainstreaming all sorts of uh, progressive values. And so uh, the companies, our corporate life has, has become very woke. Hollywood is very woke. The schools are very woke. And very little of this in the schools has to do with education anymore. It's about not teaching your kids and preparing them for an education and for life beyond to be, to be to love their country, to love their God, to love their family. It's much more about now collectivism and uh, separating kids from parents and uh, teaching a, a worldview that directly contradicts biblical worldviews. Yeah. So 15 years ago, when we started talking about this stuff, most of the parents that I would talk to would say, oh, that's not happening in my school. We are in a small town in the Midwest. We're in the Bible Belt. That's not really the case anymore, is it? No. And it, it, I will say this. Common Core, uh, over the last 10 years or so, uh, was one of a number of initiatives going back to No Child Left Behind under President Bush, then Goals 2000 under Clinton, and then Common Core under Obama. These were, you know, 20, 25 years of initiatives that were designed to, to make education more federally centralized and much less local control. The fact that in some rural districts, you don't quite see the full force of this yet is because it starts first in the big, the big city school districts. Uh, but it's already moving to many of the rural schools and within the next five years, it will be universal. So this idea that um, some of the worst aspects aren't necessarily showing up in your kid's rural school that may or may not be true, but it's coming. And the second thing I would say is, uh, how carefully are most moms and dads paying attention to what's going on in their kids' classrooms? Uh, unless mm. kids come home and tell you some of the things, or you ask them specifically, hey, what'd you learn in history class today? Tell me what you learned about the founding fathers. What'd you learn today uh, about uh, biology in your sophomore uh, biology class? Unless you ask them, most kids probably aren't going to volunteer that, in, uh, that information. And I find that when moms and dads, even in rural school districts, take a proactive role and ask their kids specific questions about what they're learning, nine times out of 10, they're pretty horrified to find out what's going on. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And I also think they feel overwhelmed. I feel like, you know, I talk about this stuff on the show a lot and what's been happening. And we, you know, it's Pride Month right now, right? I've gotten to where I actually don't look forward to June anymore. It's the first month of summer vacation. And we're just like, wah, wah. Every time we turn on, I can open Spotify or iTunes or walk into Target, which I actually never do anymore. And it's all, we are getting an agenda that's being promoted heavily on all these platforms. They're not even promoting their own products which is funny to me, they're promoting a a social agenda. They're promoting an ideology. And when parents see this around them, what happens is they feel overwhelmed and they don't know what to do. And so they don't do anything. And one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you uh, here today speaking to this is because I think you've done a great job of helping parents uh, navigate what's happening and equip them. So when you talk to a mom and dad and you let's say their eyes have been open for the first time to, wow, my kids aren't actually learning about the Constitution. They're learning about the fact that they have 15 genders. Uh, and I don't know what to do about that. What, uh, what kind of help and hope can you offer to a parent who is just now starting to see that this is happening and they feel overwhelmed and absolutely uh, incapable or not incapable, but they don't know what to do to impact it. What do you say to that parent? It's a great question. And one of the reasons we feel so impotent uh, as Christian believers in this culture is is what you just said. Pretty much every aspect of our culture has gone full-blown progressive woke, right? So we are, you mentioned Target, you mentioned Spotify, you mentioned all the TV, I talked about all the TV commercials, everything that Hollywood is producing. Even for little kids, there's a story in the news last week, how My Little Pony, which is, which is a cartoon show geared for preschoolers, is now incorporating a lesbian couple into the cartoon of horses, a couple of horses. So you almost can't run away from this in terms of uh, what's happening. And what the broader culture, the broader progressive culture is trying to do is not only to force an agenda, as you said, right? It it is also to marginalize people who are traditional-minded Christian or conservative. Uh, What they're doing is, by putting this stuff in your face all the time in every very format, what they're telling you is, is that not only do you need to shut up and accept this, but you're the ones that are outliers. That's you're right. the one, Christian conservatives. You're the, yours is the goofy worldview. You're the bigots. You're the ones who are intolerant. And that's, and that, and that's why moms and dads don't want to act, because they, it's coming at them from every walk of life. Media is besieging them with this. They feel impotent, and, and increasingly we're, we're, being, we're becoming more and more ashamed as Christians, as everybody keeps pointing the finger at us and saying, you know what, you're the problem. And so the first thing I would tell moms and dads uh, is um, you got to worry about your family first, not the culture. Those social, uh, those activists, those Christian activists that I know who want to take on the culture at the highest level, they get, as you said, they get overwhelmed. It seems like it's impossible to fix it and it's too broad. Start from the family up. Make sure your kid is not being uh, uh, subjected to this kind of stuff. And how do you do that? Well, what you can do is obviously monitor at home what they're watching. Obviously, be very careful of what kind of uh, media they're consuming, and that's something a mom can do. But over and above that, take take an hour. If you, if you have to leave your kids in the public schools, the bad news is that there is really there are really no safe spaces in the public schools. Even if you think you've got good teachers, even if your t- teachers go to church where you go to church, very often in the public schools, the curriculum is out of their hands. They don't have a choice. That's right. Uh, the kind of assignments they teach or how they teach them. So even the best teachers in the public schools aren't going to be able to give your kids the best they have to offer. So the first thing I would say is if you have to keep your kids in public schools, if you have to keep them in those dangerous spaces, 
make sure you spend at least an hour every night. Just go over with them. Show me how you did math today. And when, when they give you this really convoluted common core way of doing math, sit them down with a pen and paper and just show them how to do it a quicker way. Or when you talk about the founding fathers, right? And then you hear that, you know, that your kids are telling you that the founding fathers were all racists and Thomas Jefferson was horrible and the writers of the Constitution, George Washington was a, a, a terrorist, this kind of garbage they're getting in the public schools. Take them to some good websites on the internet and say, okay, that's one way of looking at it. Here's another. And so if you're doing that, I mean, you're at least providing an alternative. I'd rather, you know, to be honest with you, rather than have to keep playing defense against my public school education, keep unteaching them or reteaching them what they're mislearning in school, I'd rather find a much more comfortable pro-Christian environment in which they can get their educations. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think some parents, a lot of parents who are listening to this today, because it's June, right? And now is the time, you know, we've just finished the school year and we're trying to figure out what do we do in the fall. And I've been telling parents for a long time, I was an accidental homeschooler. I did not ever anticipate homeschooling our kids. And we just graduated our fourth from high school. And I'm telling you what, if I can do it, the woman who uh, God gave seven kids and I can't keep houseplants alive, if I can raise uh, seven children and homeschool them, anyone can do it. And I feel like for a long time, we've, we've said exactly what you're saying. Hey, you know, you got to get in there with your kids and you're going to have to, basically you're, have, you're doing some deprogramming when they get home from, from school. But like my sister found out this last year, she's got a, a fifth grader and a third grader and a kindergartner. She, she was exhausted trying to undo the damage that was happening to her kids every day. And it ended up being easier for her just to pull them out and homeschool them. And I think parents need to know that you have that freedom and that, and that you can do it, right? Because the barn's on fire. At what point do you say, got to get the horses out? Excellent point. And, you know, and I, I want to ask you this rhetorical question, Heidi. I, I've talked to literally hundreds of thousands of parents across the country about this. Uh, and I have never once had a homeschool mom who told me she regretted doing it. Uh, it was frightening to do it. She wasn't sure she could handle no. it. Like and I assume you have no regrets, do you? Oh, no. The hardest, best thing we have ever done is homeschool our kids. Absolutely. And, and the, the, the point is, is that from a biblical perspective and from a common sense perspective as well, we parents are the primary educators of our kids. From the moment they're conceived, we, we play music to them in utero. We talk to them while they're still in their mommy's bellies. We start educating those kids. The moment a kid is born, the first thing we do with our children, and the thing that we do more than anything else until they leave the house is to educate them how to throw a curveball, how to you know develop self-discipline so you can put the donuts aside and eat your broccoli, how to establish for themselves healthy living patterns. I mean, Every aspect of being a parent is literally a teaching aspect. How, when did we decide as a culture? When did we decide that for eight hours a day, to eight to 10 hours a day, for nine months of the year, we're going to turn the primary force of education over to strangers who all got their degrees in big universities that are opposed to our worldview, to our faith, to our values, to our morality, to our history? Why did we decide all of a sudden? that for eight to 10 hours a day, somebody who we don't even know is better able to teach our kids than we are. 
Yeah, it's exactly right. And the more parents realize, I love that you're that you're encouraging these parents. Listen, don't don't take on the establishment first, right? The first thing you do is you pay attention to what's happening in your own home. Worry about your child before you worry about the culture. And once you find victory in that one area and you realize like my sister did last year, she was like, "Oh my goodness, you know, I finally I finally took the plunge, finally pulled my kids out of public school." And this even though there was some uh, getting used to it, whatever, she had her kids uh, test at the end of the year, like we are required to do here in Washington State. And her kids are testing ahead of grade level. And what she's doing basically is putting in two and a half hours a day with them. And the school had them for eight and a half hours a day. And they're barely at grade level. She takes them out, homeschools them for an hour and a half every day or two hours. And they're already testing a year ahead. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, at our online school, by way of reference, we have an online school called Freedom Project Academy, which helps homeschool moms and dads. And at Freedom Project, when we get kids from the public school, they are invariably two years behind where they should be. Our The kids who come to us in sixth grade in the public school, we have to start some of them off in fourth grade because that's where they are. And there's a reason. This is not an accident, by the way. This is not a mishap. This is not an error. This is not a, a mistake in public school education. It's part of the plan. What the, what the public schools have done over the last 20 years, and particularly over the last 10 with Common Core, is they've decided now that in the name of social justice, it's not fair for some kids to be smarter than others. It's not fair that some kids are gifted in math and in third grade can be doing ninth grade math. That's socially unjust to the progressives. So what they've done is the common core paradigm, it doesn't try to help the lowest performing kids. It doesn't try to lift the bottom kids. It artificially holds down the top performing kids. So this idea that your kids are a couple years behind, that's exactly what the plan is because in the warped mind of progressives, if the lower the standard, the more kids can meet it, the fairer education is. Yeah, and that's exactly what's happening. And parents are frustrated by this. But then if you speak up and you say you're frustrated, you're immediately labeled a, a bigot. You've got some sort of a chip on your shoulder. You don't care about these other kids. It's the same thing that's happening, right? I live just outside of Portland, Oregon. It's the same thing that's happening here in the Pacific Northwest, in Seattle, and down in San Francisco. We have a massive drug problem here. Massive. I mean, it is crazy. You go to downtown Portland, you can literally watch people in broad daylight just shooting up. They're all over the place. But guess what? Guess what the progressive are calling it. It's a housing crisis. We've got a housing crisis because we just don't care about these people and we've and society has pushed them down and made it so that they can't get jobs. And so now they're out on the streets and they have no other choice but to turn to drugs. It's this backward, upside down thinking that's coming from the hard left in this country. And I think it's leaving a lot of people who've grown up here feeling bewildered. Are you seeing the same thing? Absolutely. Portland was in the news just this week for a, a, a school, uh, a, a Christian church in Portland. Uh, that's almost an oxymoron these days when you think of Portland and Christian. But there's a, a Christian church in in, uh, in Portland that is actually hosting a summer Antifa camp for little kids. This church, this Christian church, is allowing an Antifa group to use the facilities to train little middle school kids how to become Antifa social justice warriors. And it cracks me up because there's actually a little disclaimer. This church says this group is not affiliated with our church. So you're going to allow into your church, even if you're not affiliated with it, a group whose sole mission is to destroy traditional religion, traditional values, and traditional American culture. And it shows you the degree to which even many of our churches have succumbed to the social, the social justice gospel. And so that's a big problem we have, and we've got to fix it. You said the, something very, very right, Heidi, and, and I want to repeat it. 
uh, moms and dads are being bullied into believing. Whenever there's a problem, it's a problem with our system. It's a problem with our faith or our, our, or our economic system, free markets and capitalism. It's a problem with the way this country was founded and a problem with the Constitution. What they never tell, and this is the same paradigm in the public schools, nothing is ever the individual's fault. The individual bears no responsibility. The, these drug addicts, like you said, that are all across the, the great Northwest there from San Francisco all the way up, uh, they, they label it a, a housing crisis because they can't come to grips with the fact that these people who are addicted to opioids and therefore living on the street, that, that, that they did something or they made choices in their lives that put them in that position. It has to be the culture's problem. And think about the common core. I ask, let me ask your audience rhetorically. Uh, how many moms and dads think their kids are common? Raise your hand. How many moms and dads think their kid, your kids are standard? Raise your hand. And no one ever raises their hands. Your kids aren't common. Your kids are unique. Our children are made as radical individuals in the image of God. And the school system has decided under the atheist premises of, of secular progressivism that your kids aren't individuals. You, we were not, we're not going to teach your kids or educate your kids as little human souls that have discrete talents and abilities. Let kids become what God made them to be. Give kids a chance to really excel. We're not going to treat them as individuals. We're going to treat them as part of the collective. And what we need to do to make sure that the collective is socially just is, again, give them the lowest common denominator education. Let's educate them at the lowest possible way so that all kids are included and no one's left out. And we're going to call that justice. Yeah, that's exactly right. I grew up in Portland going to a, a Christian school there. And until I got into high school, they had the classroom separated. So there was a like a fourth grade A and a fourth grade B. And what they did was they tested the kids and the kids who excelled got into the B class and the kids who were just doing the standard stuff, they were in the A class. And nobody was angry about it. Nobody. Nobody no. was upset. Nobody was angry. Nobody was complaining. In fact, the parents, and this is what I see so often happening, uh, even in homeschool circles, the parents had, had not yet at that point been conditioned to believe that their kids could do no wrong, right? We still held our kids accountable. If I came home and I failed my math class or I failed my, you know, my times tables that week or whatever, um, I got to stay after and get better at it. And now what's happening is parents are, uh, they're coming to the defense of their children right? When their children really need accountability and need that personal responsibility because it's in the culture everywhere. And I keep telling parents, uh, I dealt with a student not too long ago in another, in a different scenario, who was being very disrespectful in the classroom. And he brought his phone to the classroom and we said, hey, you can't have your phone in the classroom, but he brought it anyway because he was doing his schoolwork on his phone. So the instructor took the phone away from the child, right? And then the mother came in and said, give me my, give me my child's phone back. Right. But there was no, why did you take the phone away? We've got to do a better job. Parents, we need to be, we want to, we're trying to raise our kids to be independent uh, adults who will take responsibility for their own actions. And I feel like in the culture right now, we're making excuses, like from, from kindergarten all the way up to a drug addiction outside of, uh, outside of the Portland Commerce Building in downtown Portland, where instead of helping people take accountability or make, make them accountability for their lives or help them become accountable, we're making excuses uh, instead. I want to just uh, to scoot to a different topic while I've got you here, because I think this is so important. I get questions every week at the podcast from parents whose kids, mostly they're in the public school system, whose kids are coming home and they're saying, hey, I think I'm born in the wrong body. This is happening in homeschooling. This is happening. It's happening everywhere. And uh, I met a woman 
just last weekend when I was speaking in Denver and she came up and said her child when he was in sixth grade was exposed to a video uh, and the video was talking about how if you have these feelings, there's a really good chance you were born in the wrong body. They call it transgender. And wouldn't you know it, two weeks after this kid hears it, he goes to his mom and says, hey, I think I'm I think I'm uh, maybe transgender. These parents who are trying to do the best for their kids then are bullied really into thinking this, which it's junk science, if we're honest about it. The science doesn't back it up at all. This is absolutely social engineering at its height, but so many parents are buying it. I'm wondering, you have a very unique perspective on the transgender movement, sort of how it started and where it's going. Can you educate parents who are listening to this so they understand the agenda behind uh, the transgender movement? Yeah, you know, all of this progressivism in the schools, you have to, this what we call social justice education, you have to recognize what it is or you're going to get lost. The idea of social justice yeah. sounds wonderful, right? Who's against justice and we all want social justice. The, the great lie of the social justice movement is, is that if Jesus were alive today, he'd be in Black Lives Matter or he'd be marching with Antifa. Absolute nonsense. You have to recognize that what we call social justice is what we called liberation theology in the 1960s, what we called cultural Marxism in the 1980s. Social justice, as it's being configured and taught to your kids by progressives in schools, is nothing more than warmed over socialism. It's Marxist dialectic warmed over. And so the idea, why? Why would we introduce to five, six, and seven-year-olds the concept of the, that you may not be the gender you're born? Everybody knows that little kids, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, their brains have not developed to the point where they can think abstractly. If you tell a six-year-old she's a princess, she's going to believe it. If you tell a six-year-old boy, right, that he's Superman, he's going to jump off the steps in his cape thinking he can fly. That's what little kids are. And what the public schools are doing is they are introducing this gender theory, this junk science, as you said. They're introducing it to five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds. Nine and what they're telling them is, is that there is no standard gender, you, that it's possible for a seven-year-old to have male characteristics, a male body, male genitalia, male DNA, but think he's a girl, at which point you must immediately be transitioned over to that. It is criminal what they're doing to the kids. But you ask me why? What's the reason for this? Look, we never, for 2,000 years of Western culture, we never taught five-year-olds about heterosexual sexuality. We never taught five and six and seven and eight-year-olds the mechanics or the physical operations of heterosexual sex. We never did that because we knew that those kids were too young to understand those issues. We're doing it now to your kids in the service of a much broader ideology. One of the things that this transgenderism is doing, it is getting kids to challenge parental authority, religious authority, local community authority. When these kids go to these public schools and at age seven or nine or 11, they've been suggested so much in the public schools that their gender is malleable, that maybe they're not what they think they are. And then not only are the teachers doing that, not only are the teachers project, uh, giving them the option to change, they're praising those kids who've changed. So who are the kids that get noticed in seventh grade, fifth grade, third grade? Who are the kids that get all the attention and the pats on the head? Who are the kids that are held up as heroes in California? They are, they're actually having coming out ceremonies for five and six-year-olds who are changing their gender in front of their peers in the classroom. What you're telling these little kids is not only that you might not be the gender you think you are, but if you come out as another gender, you're behaving heroically. You're a hero. 
And when you combine that kind of suggestibility with that kind of praise and heroism with little kids, we shouldn't be the least bit surprised that more and more kids are thinking they're the wrong gender. And the, the behind all of this, like I said, is to drive a wedge between parental authority over kids and the school's authority over kids. See, most moms and dads, if they had a, a seven-year-old think that he's a boy or a girl, or she's a boy or a girl, they would talk to the kid. They'd let it, they'd recognize it for a phase. If necessary, they might go get a little psychological counseling for the kid. In other words, most moms and dads would recognize that that was not something that was inherently true, but it was either a phase the child was passing through or it was something they picked up on TV and they'd watch the kid and let him get over it, hit puberty, and then go on to live their life. That's, that's what you would do as a parent. What the schools want is to promote transgenderism as a way of destroying your authority and destroying your religious, the religious implications of your authority. The Bible has no truth. And we're going to use transgenderism and, and our advocacy for homosexual culture as well. We're going to use that as the ability to tear apart parental control over the kids. How many cases have you seen, Heidi, across the country where moms and dads who won't let their kid tra uh, transition the mom of the 14-year-old, the 16-year-old daughter who won't let that daughter take testosterone. In Ohio, a federal, a judge just took those kids, that kid away from his parents because they wouldn't let the 14, 15-year-old transgender go through the process and now is making the parents pay for it while the kid gets the, the treatments. And you can see what this does to the family. And you can certainly see what it does to the biblical worldview. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it seems like parents are more and more afraid every day of just saying what it is because they are afraid, and rightfully so, that they're going to have their kids taken away from them. So if you've got a parent who comes to you and they say, hey, you know, I'd like to speak out, but I'm afraid my kid's going to get taken away from me. What do you say to that parent? Well, I say to that parent, you love your kids. You are trying to raise your kid in a Christian environment. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. And yet you're more afraid of the school administrators than you are about the fate of your kid's life. I guess what I would say to them is the fact that you're afraid of what's going on in your public schools. If you're afraid as an adult, imagine what that impact is on your little child. And, and you live in America. You don't live in China and you don't live in Germany where it's federally illegal to homeschool your kids or to private school your kids. If you are terrified as a parent about what they're being told in the schools and how you don't dare challenge them for fear of losing those kids, to some degree, you've already lost those kids. Your fear That's of right. what the school or the state can do to you trumps your, uh, your ability to give your kid what they really need. And, and this is America. Just pull your kid out. You have to pull your kid out. You are afraid for the right reasons. If a public school teacher identifies, if your fifth grader goes to a public school teacher and says, I think I'm transgender and mommy and daddy won't help me, you better bet the full force, particularly in a state like Washington, progressive state like Washington, the full force of the state will come down on the side of the teacher, not on your side. The only place your kids are safe are out of that environment. Homeschool kids, you have a range of options. First of all, in a genuine homeschool environment, that question is never going to enter a fifth grader's mind. They're getting suggested in the schools. No fourth grader, no third grader, no kindergarten kid is intrinsically confused about his biology. They don't even think at the level of biology. Boys are boys and girls are girls. They don't think beyond that. In order for these questions to appear in their heads, they have to be in an environment where this is not just being suggested, but reinforced over and over, month after month, grade after grade. And the only safe place for that 
is someplace out of the public schools. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I'm wondering if a parent who's listening to this now and they're thinking, oh my goodness, this is my kid. Like I'm recognizing this is what's happening with my child. And that parent is thinking, uh, I'm going to pull them out. When we encourage parents to pull their kids out of the school system, what we're saying is you don't have to go to the school. A lot of a lot of parents think they have to go to the school with a plan. They have to prove anything. And I'm always telling parents, no, you don't. I know the school has been telling you this isn't true, but actually the truth is those kids belong to you. They're your responsibility. You don't even need to give anyone a reason. You can go to the school and say, hey, thank you so much for everything you guys have done. We're going to homeschool our kid from here on out. And then find out what your state law requires so that you can make that transition. Because I love I love what you're saying. And that is parents need to stop being afraid. And we have been bullied for so long. Uh, if you disagree with the the homosexual agenda that's being pushed in ev- almost every major department store, I was just in JCPenney the other day, and they had a big pride display out there. And I find it, I was telling my kids the other day at the dinner table, it, it, is, it is so astonishing to me that we have named a movement, one of what the Bible says is the seven deadly sins, right? Pride, one of the seven deadly sins. And we're going to put that that deadly sin on t-shirts and we're going to put it on uh, on the front of our buildings and light up downtown Portland in the colors of the rainbow. And we're in trouble. And parents, you've got to know who you are in Christ. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It's time to take your kids back. Do you feel like parents are feeling more empowered lately by voices like yours as you get out in front of this movement and say, hey, this is what it really is? I think people like us, Heidi, and and we we both started the same way. You did not start as a national activist. You started as a local mom. I did not start as a national activist. I started as a professor in a university who saw what my kids, what was going on with my students. So it begins local, right? And so, so I think we're resources, but I think the culture is becoming so radical so fast that frightened parents are looking for voices. And so I, I do think that the fear that parents are, are feeling is experiential fear and worry. They know there are big problems. And so voices like ours, I think, sometimes help guide them. But you mentioned pride a moment ago. Quick quick comment about that. Pride is not just one of the seven deadly sins. It is the chief of the seven deadly sins. I mean, you think about Christ, you could argue that the primary focus of his ministry was in many ways humility, the opposite of pride. Here is the, the God who made the universe, who enters it not as a, a conqueror or a king, but as a slave, right? As, a, as, a, as a, 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 an impoverished child. Uh, and, and this is the, the God who made the universe, who walked among us, and yet with, forbore his own power to suffer and die humbly for us. Pride is a big problem. And so it's a bigger thing than that, too. This idea of pride, pride week, it, it is, a, is a titanic, a titanic example of sinful pride that we in, in, in government schools for kids too young to even think clearly are telling children that the biological re- realities of male and female are all false, that nature is somehow wrong, that your DNA, forget religion in the Bible for a second, we're telling these kids anti-scientific things. So proud are we to socially engineer away gender as we understood it that we're lying to these kids, not just about faith, but about science, about biology, about DNA. It's a great story in the news today uh, about a, um, Lauren Chen has it over at the Blaze, about a young student who raised his hand in class and told the teacher there are two genders. And for that, he was banished from the classroom. 
That is a titanic instance of pride. When we are, the left keeps telling us Christians, we're the anti-science people, right? We're the rubes who don't understand how the naturalistic universe functions. And yet when it comes to promoting a radically anti-scientific agenda, right? To little kids who haven't scientifically developed to the point they can even understand it, they have absolutely no shame in the public schools. Yeah, that's exactly right. And parents can turn the tide. And I think they need to understand how powerful they're. I keep telling parents, listen, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. um, But I, I firmly believe that the radical left, the progressives in this nation, and frankly, around the world, uh, they are counting on and depending on our silence. They need our silence. They need us to feel bullied. They need us to be quiet. They need us not to show up and vote. They need us to keep our kids in the schools. And I've been telling these parents, listen, if, if, you know, Billy Graham said, when one man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. And I think that's a large part of the reason why I do what I do. I'm sure it's a large part of the reason why you do what you do. But parents need to understand if you will take a stand and say, I refuse to be bullied by these cultural uh, Marxists any farther, uh, then they will actually have an impact in what's happening around them. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.